Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Bucknutters. It is Thursday, July 21st, 2022. I am Dan Rubin. This is the Bucknuts Morning Five and Change. Those of you following us on the Book of Face, Twitter, or YouTube can see the handsome faces of Bill Curlick and Mark Porter here for their usual Thursday appearance. It's been a very interesting last seven days on the recruiting trail for us to kind of summarize here, <clears throat> excuse me, and get to it. There have been some very interesting commitments to here and elsewhere. So this is going promises to be an excellent show. I think what we'll do is we have a couple topics we know we're going to hit. And then I have a very strong feeling that the questions are going to line up very nicely with the topics we want to discuss. So we'll try and dovetail those in there. Gentlemen, let's start with this. Some positivity build yesterday. We thought we might be getting a commitment from Desmond Umuzulu, defensive end out of Prince George's County in the D.C. area. A bit of a false alarm, Bill, but our optimism is still high. Yeah, he. Um, I was told middle of the afternoon or so that don't be surprised if Desmond doesn't make a commitment soon. In fact, uh, the person I was talking to told me don't be surprised if he announces that his commitment announcement will be on August 29th. And I said, oh, that's kind of a a long ways away. But anyway, I got a story already. And lo and behold, he posted on Twitter his final four, the expected final four. He made official visits to Ohio State as well as South Carolina, North Carolina, Pitt. Those is his final four and that he indeed was waiting to announce on August 29th. So you know, we, we wait for that announcement, but uh, I think as you said, Dan, those aren't exactly the uh, three schools Ohio State does a lot of recruiting against and loses often to. Yeah, it's, uh, it was surprising to see that Final Four. I don't see any of those three teams making a push, and sometimes when they do that, I, I sometimes think they're fishing for that one other big offer, but he's not going to play in any games before August 29th. So maybe that's maybe he's picked that day because it's their kickoff. I'm not sure, but we will get into that. One of the names that's popping up on the questions here right now, Mike Hauser's first, and I knew this was going to happen. So let's just do this now and get it over with. Caleb Downs, safety out of Georgia. There was a, I don't know if it was a report or a tweet or something entered the, uh, the recruiting space about a week ago that their vibe was. He was going to Alabama um, and then no commitment. 
uh, this coming on the heels of seeing Justice Haynes surprisingly commit to Alabama, which, like I said to Dwayne on Tuesday, was the first time in this recruiting cycle that I felt like I got kicked in the nuts. But, Bill, I think there's some general negativity that the safety downs will end up in Alabama. But Ohio State has not given up. How optimistic are you? And should Bucknutters be hopeful? Well, several things there. I, I, I do think he is trending to Alabama. And I think uh, if he were to announce right now, he would probably announce for Alabama. But he has not even set an announcement date yet. Uh, does that mean he couldn't announce later today or tomorrow or next week? No, of course not. Uh, Justice Haynes did not set an announcement date. He just all of a sudden on Sunday announced he was headed to Alabama. So that does still happen. Um, I, I will say that Ohio State has not given up on him. They are continuing to recruit him, feeling like they have a chance at him still. Uh, you look at the Ohio State commitments, they're still trying to recruit him. Um, the people from our Alabama site have not crystal balled him to Alabama as example. So, you know, we'll wait and see. I think the best way to put it is, is that uh, if you're an Ohio State person, you want it to keep going on. Because, again, if he announces today, for instance, and I don't necessarily – I'm not saying he's going to even think about announcing today. But if he did, I would think it would be for Alabama. But it continues to play out. Yeah, Downs is a biggie. Um, it is safety. So, I think you make an argument it's not the most important position on the field. But I do think there's a clear – at least love affair with Bucknutters for Downs, and justifiably so. If you come down to Ohio State and Alabama, you're pretty much having an NFL locker all dusted off where you're just waiting for the slide in the nameplate. All right, Mark. You knew this was coming. This is the 3-1 fastball, and uh, hopefully your vocal cords are well massaged. Tackett Curtis opted against Ohio State. He will go to USC, possibly to help rebuild the Trojans, if that's even going to happen. But Ohio State is also after another linebacker, and Arvell Reese. We've talked much more about Tackett Curtis. If you were on Ohio State staff, would you rather have Arvell Reese or Tackett Curtis, and why? Okay, I'm going to take a step back here and say, I'm the analyst that is going to cut against the grain and try not to be a part of groupthink and try not to be a ranking slave. And when a, when a prospect doesn't pick Ohio State, I'm not automatically going to say, oh, now he's a bad. And, and that's something message boards have done for years. And I've always said that every time someone doesn't commit, oh, they're no good anymore. Caleb Downs is no good. Tacker Curtis is no good. We didn't want him anyways. Okay? Hold on one sec. Hold on one sec. You're right. Let me just say this for the record, though. If we've talked about a guy as much as we have Curtis or anyone like that, they're legit. This is just shades of gray for us. We're not in any way saying Tackett Curtis can't play or couldn't play at Ohio State or they didn't want him because you're right, and I hate that as well. It's yeah. always and like, well, he chose someone else, and he was, you know, he's the bad girlfriend. Yeah, and, and I'm not always the devil's advocate, so I just wanted to qualify what I'm about to say, that I'm trying not to be that type of an analyst. I'm trying, like, as I evaluate for scouting Ohio, I try to give it a, a fair thing where I put it out, and I don't change based on where they go or if I like where they go. That all being said, okay, I was one of the first to point out that Tackett Curtis's film was amazing, but yet it was a unique film where he had a position where he was running downhill, unblocked a lot, and had a lot of wow plays, and it really got the fans excited. 
I always thought he was a true Mike linebacker. I always thought his track times and his body style kind of dictated Drew Mike, but with an extra gear of speed he had. Uh, the hitting ability is going to show up throughout a game, you know, wherever he's lined up at Mike. But I never really thought he was a strong safety type or, or that versatile. I always thought Trey Bowles, when you guys asked, was definitely more athletic, more versatile than Tackett Curtis. So that's where I kind of stood on Tackett. Uh, Arvell Reese is a different type of linebacker. He He's a longer player. Uh, he's an outside type player, maybe uh, m- maybe growing the defensive end type player down the road. He's really got a lot of length and he's really young in his development. You can tell that his body has not filled out. Uh, the Glenville coaches, in fact, were bragging at the beginning of the year how much weight he was putting on in the weight room initially, uh, kind of signaling that he had development ahead of him. Uh, if I had to pick one, I'm not just going to pick Arvell because, you know, Tackett Curtis is going to USC. Uh, I've been a Glenville homer forever. So I, I would pick him based on that. But Arvell's different. So it's like a, you have a blonde and a brunette and you're trying to choose and they're not the same, but they're both very attractive. If they were both Mike, Mike linebackers, I'd say, okay, one's a 95 rating, one's a 93, and they're pretty much the same person, the same build, same speed. Arvell's longer. Arvell's a little different. Arvell could play inside. He played a little well and ran around there, but he's a little longer than your traditional well. I want to say Arvell is going to be close to 6'4 or bigger by the time he's done. You know, he's really, you know, he kind of comes off as a defensive end when you see him on the field for the first time until you see him run and then you see the linebacker explosion and that type of stuff. So, not to be a homer for Glenville or whatever, but they're different. Uh, if I was to give them ratings, maybe. Arvell's probably a 96, and, you know, inside maybe uh, the other guy's a 96 or a 95, Tackett. So that might not be a crystal clear answer. They're, they're both, like you said, they're both great players. Uh, they, Ohio State wants both, and if Tackett would switch, I'm sure they'd take them. But Arvell is definitely different. And I say Arvell might have the NFL mm-hmm. upside. You know, like a traditional Mike linebacker isn't as valuable as those edge guys that can come off the edge, string things out, drop into coverage. That's a different skill set. So, yeah, my vocal cords are warmed up, and, and there's your long answer. <coughs> Excuse me. Reese actually sounds a little bit more like Baron Browning off the tip, if you go by if you go by uh, that you know, evaluation, I, I, which, would be credit, which would be great. Think think Josh Perry when you think Arvell yeah. Reese. You know, if, if you threw Arvell a, a tailback-type pitch, he would look like uh, uh, Josh Perry running the ball in high school. They're both 6'4", 230, 6'5"-ish. It's going to be that type of player. Yeah, a lot of people don't know that, but Josh Perry at Olin Tangy, I, I think it was just Olin Tangy, was also Tangy High School. Yeah, yeah, he played some running back, so I'm sure that was a lot of fun being a D, 160 pound DB, with him coming around the corner, aim for the ankles. All right, Bill, you spent plenty of time talking to Team Curtis. Why don't you put a bow on that recruitment? Well, I think a lot of it was just that. Um, uh, he wanted to go, not every, you know, every recruit has more than one reason they pick a school, but I know that uh, within USC and they've done this with, with many recruits this cycle and they'll do it next cycle and it's smart recruiting. You know, they're selling that they have been a program that's been down and that they're going to return this class and next class can be the classes that return USC to greatness, to prominence, rather than go to a program like Ohio State that is already at greatness. They, they can be the class that, that gets USC turned around and 
back to the top. And I think that that sold uh, with Tackett some and with other recruits too. And, you know, I think that's basically the bottom line. I know for a fact that he was torn. It was a very, very tough decision for him. Ohio State was right there and it was a hard decision. We should all have to make such tough decisions before we enter college, whether to go to USC or Ohio State. I imagine my guy's not going to struggle socially in either spot, speaking of 6'4 blondes. All right, let's talk about some other guys. There's going to be some negativity here. You just got to grin and bear it, Bill. Jaden Bonsu announced his final three. <clears throat> Excuse me, and Olas Allen is about to commit. Both at one point in time we thought might be Buckeyes. It does not seem that's the case. Can you bring us up to speed? Yeah, uh, Jaden Bonzu uh, delayed his announcement. He hasn't said exactly when now he will announce. He was going to announce on July 20th, but he delayed that. Um, it, it could come this weekend. In fact, I kind of think it will come this weekend, either Saturday or Sunday. And I'm still hearing Miami on that one. Ohio State, though, is like in the case of Caleb Downs. They are continuing to recruit Jaden Monsu. They, they, they want him. They're continuing to recruit him. Um, so you never know. I, it's hard to ever count Ohio State out the way they uh, recruit. But, uh, again, as of the way things stand right now, I, I think that one's still Miami. Uh, Allenham is going to announce his decision tomorrow. He's supposed to announce his decision tomorrow uh, on Friday. And that one uh, – I'm not convinced that one's going to be Miami. I know that there's been a lot of crystal balls there. Alabama is still working on him. And that's why I haven't crystal balled him because I'm not sure which one he's going to. I don't know that he knows for sure. Both schools are still recruiting him hard. Uh, the bad news is I just don't think it's going to be Ohio State. So what difference does it make for the most part? When you come in second in recruiting, it's no different than coming in ninth. So, Agreed. Um, you know, I, I think it'll be Miami or Alabama. We'll, we'll wait and see on that one. I think that uh, reminds me of my old track coach. You ain't first, you're last. So we'll deal with it. Let's take a quick break for those on the pod, and then we'll come back and get into some offensive line chatter. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, we are back. Mark, later today, we are going to have a commitment evaluation up there for Miles Walker, offensive lineman from Loomis Chafee up in New England. There has been some consternation as we come off Alas Allenon, likely headed elsewhere. He certainly won't be to Ohio State. There's been some consternation about the offensive line haul. I was hoping you could put Miles Walker into perspective. Um, and then Bill, maybe let everybody know. I think there's uh, the sky is falling when people think about the offensive line. I'm not sure that's the case. So evaluation and then perspective. Yeah, um, you know, sometimes people on the boards fall in love with a player, and I was going to say with the Arvell Reese Tackett Curtis, I think the the public evaluation of uh, Tackett Curtis was a hundred, where I probably had him as a ninety-five or a ninety-four. And you know, so uh, Olaus Allen had a big 
uh, public evaluation where they all loved him. Uh, I don't think many people were talking about Miles Walker. And I put on the tape and I was like, why weren't we talking about Miles Walker? And I did the same thing with Noah Rogers a few weeks ago where the, the public evaluation of him wasn't as high as a Carnell Tate. You know, everyone fell in love with the IMG receiver. He was on TV. He was easy to digest for the fans. But Noah, you know, wasn't really someone in their, their you know, zone. Where do you get to know these guys? Why do you see them? Uh, Miles Walker is the left tackle body that this class was looking for. Uh, let's, let's remind people, Luke Montgomery started off as an offer very early, and he was only 6'3", 4", when he was offered. He's longer. That's the first thing Bill and I said when we saw him walk onto the Ohio State campus. He grew vertically. He got longer. He actually lengthened out where, yeah, we're talking about tackle with him now. He was always a great athlete, athletic guard, but now he's long enough to play the edge. He's a long tackle body. So, but Bucknutters, I think, want that left tackle, first-round draft pick, looking player and that's what i think you're going to get more with walker uh you put on the tape with walker the first thing i did is break him down in pass protection uh, he does a great job of being an athlete and kick-stepping and locking guys out has the long arms checks all the boxes as a pass protector when you watch him in space and i always talk about ohio state zone blocks we watch film on ohio state all the time they're not down blocking they're not gap blocking they're not running tray they're not running the power o they are running zone which means if you're a tackle, you got to be able to kick step with your right foot and try to get out on the edge. And there's four or five clips of him using that technique to get out on the edge and run in space. And that's when I think I clicked on that this kid's a special athlete at his side. So when you watch the tape of him today, you're going to see him broken down a couple different ways. But Ohio State found the left tackle in this class they wanted. Uh, maybe he doesn't have the name recognition or the public evaluation, but, you know, for me, watching tape and what the Bucknutters are going to see later today, they're going to be happy. Bill, is this a kind of a trust in the Ohio State staff kind of vibe here? Yeah, I want to piggyback a little bit on what Mark said there. Um, Steve Adazio is one of the top offensive line coaches in the country. Some consider him the top college offensive line coach in the country. Steve Adazio is Texas A&M's offensive line coach. Really, really good to say the least. And he recruited um uh miles walker miles walker's from connecticut so is adazio that was a big win for ohio state uh miles walker uh, had texas a&m as an official visit besides ohio state he also had a penn state offer that was a big win and i i agree with what you know mark said miles walker he, he's got a lot of potential um and as far as the whole situation in the offensive line ohio state has filled their needs um, they went into this recruiting cycle wanting to get four offensive linemen, two interior guys, two offensive tackles. They, they filled their needs. They were only going to take a fifth offensive lineman if it was a player that they really saw as a guy with a high ceiling, a guy that uh, uh, maybe would be along the lines of a Paris Johnson, maybe coming out of high school. Um, you know, Olas Allenen. He's not Paris Johnson coming out of high school. He's not that kind of guy, but he's, he's kind of approaching that. Uh, so he was the guy that they were going to take for the fifth spot. But they, they did get uh, their goals filled with two very good interior offensive linemen in uh, uh, the, the kids from Ohio, of course, Josh Padilla and Austin Cerevelt. And then they got their two tackles. Luke Montgomery is a top 
uh, 50 to 75 prospect overall across the country, and then Miles Walker. It would have been nice to get Olaus Allen, and, but they'll kick that scholarship ahead to next year if they don't end up filling it this year, and that's probably what's going to happen. So they have filled their needs. Even if Paris Johnson goes to the NFL uh, after this season, the way things stand right now, Ohio State will have 17 offensive linemen, scholarship offensive linemen on the roster, even with Paris Johnson leaving. The usual number is 16 to 18. So they could have taken that one extra guy to make 18, but they didn't have to. They're still okay. Yeah, It would be definitely surprising if Paris Johnson is not in the draft. Um, let's hit another name that is I probably should have brought up earlier because I knew it was going to come up. And he's allegedly committing on July the 28th, and that is John Walker. Uh, Mark, you've done a review of him. He's a fantastic prospect. He's one of those guys that I think didn't start out as a Bucknutter's love and has grown into the apple of almost everybody's eye. If you could kind of give us your thoughts on him and then, Bill, maybe an update of what you expect to happen on the 28th. Yeah, I think someone uh, kind of accurately uh, depicted him last week as one of those SEC defensive line run stoppers, one of those Clemson, Alabama, Georgia type defensive linemen, and that's all. That's what he is—an athletic big man, a rare type of uh, skill set. You don't find big men with feet like that and power like that. Uh, he's one of those guys you can stick in at one technique, and he eats up the middle. But he's also got some athletic ability. It was shocking that he could move so well, being as big as he is. And he's a young kid to be that big. So as he gets into a weight room and he really starts to develop grown manpower, uh, I think he's going to be a, a, like an anchor or like running into a tree stump in the middle of your uh, defensive line. You know, like try to move the tree stump out of there and get to linebackers. And I'm going to say right now, he's a linebacker's best friend because of a center and guard go to double team him. He's going to grab both of them, and that guy, the other guy's never going to get to the linebacker. So he's he's really a weapon uh, from his athletic ability, his size, and the way he functions in a defense, freeing up a linebacker to get the other gaps and be a sideline to sideline guy. I'm no scout, but I will tell you this: if you watch the tape, his punch off the snap, he is jolting dudes. I mean, it is a violent, violent action, Bill. I've gotten to know John pretty well. Uh, dating back to over a year ago, I was in Florida and uh, Kissimmee Osceola High School is one of the schools I stopped at because they had uh, Derek LeBlanc, the defensive end, and John Walker, the defensive tackle. At that point, more people were talking about uh, Derek LeBlanc, but uh, John Walker, every bit is good, and you can make a case for being even better. Um, you know, I met with those two at their high school, talked to them and all, and got to know them. Uh, I've continued to talk to John Walker. What a nice young man, by the way, off the field, on the field, as Mark said, he's, he is tremendous. Ohio State really wants him. Um, will they get him? It's getting tight. Um, you know, I crystal balled him early to Ohio State, but um, some things have come into play. Uh, number one, the, the family likes the idea of him staying closer to home. Uh, UCF, believe it or not, you know, that's right in his backyard. He made an official visit there. Uh, Florida is working hard to get him. Um, you know, those two obviously are, are much closer to home than Ohio State is for him. Uh, again, situation right now, you know, I still have him crystal ball to Ohio State, and I hate to switch those crystal ball picks. 
but that one's not impossible for me to switch at this point. Uh, I like, again, slightly where Ohio State stands with John Walker, but we've got about a week for Florida and UCF to continue working on him. And they are, you know, they want him too. And we'll see what happens in the next week for John Walker. He's a guy Ohio State really wants to get. It's just hard to get those big guys out of the South, man. If you just look at the track record, Ohio State recruits nationally as well as anybody. And it's just difficult to do. As much as I get my optimism up, and I was with you, Bill, maybe my uh, fandom took over and I thought we were getting John Walker. And now I'm starting to get a really, really oogie. All right, let's just go through some questions here. We'll go rapid fire. You guys can take them as you want. Nick Stamen, why is Mark Fletcher not considered an every down back? Want to take that, Mark? Yeah, and I don't know who is not considering him that. I don't know if he's listed as something else right now, but until he proves otherwise, he can. I, I remember vividly pointing out his receiving ability in his hands. Uh, sometimes when you're uh, a bigger back, sometimes people think you can't do the receiving work, but usually the bigger backs are the guys that can stay on the field three downs, uh, and usually that's about pass protection and what you can do. Uh, until he proves he isn't, he is. He's got the size, the speed to, to get on the field in first and second down and hammer you. And on third downs, he can be a receiver. Uh, will it look like that at the college level or even, you know, in the NFL level? Maybe. But I wouldn't say there's anyone to say he can't do that yet. Yeah, somewhere along the way, um, I don't know if it's because there was almost like a group of more traditional halfbacks at the top of the recruiting um, at the top of the class that everyone was focused on, but there has been just this acceptance of Fletcher as just like a fullback bill. That's just not an accurate representation of him. Don't you think, do you think it is or how do they view him? The name that just popped in my head is Leonard Fournette. You know, he, in the NFL, people thought he was a big back and, you know, guess who has 70 receptions every year, Leonard Fournette, you know, and and you get this perception, big guys can't be a threat out there. Well, in space, do you want to tackle the big guy that's 230 pounds or 220 pounds cap? And it's like you're saying, people think all oh, the traditional tailbacks, a jitterbug out there, and, you know, he'd be a tough tackle. Or a big guy out there is a tough tackle, too, and big guys can be three down backs, too. Yeah, and, um, you know, with Fletcher, uh, I see a big guy that can run. You know, maybe he's not uh, the elite speed back. But he's also a big guy. He's not five foot ten and 185 pounds. And you know, I go back. Ohio State likes this guy a lot, Mark Fletcher. They took him early when they still uh, very much were in the running to land guys like Richard Young and Justice Haynes. And they took Mark Fletcher really early. They like him a lot. And I always go back to uh, their evaluations of running backs have been pretty good. Going back to a guy. Uh, that uh, everyone knows Ezekiel Elliott. When everybody was talking about Derek Green, they went for Ezekiel Elliott. And, you know, we kind of know how that one turned out. Derek Green. People yeah, go, to, let me, go, to, go to the Google, people. Curlick just <laughs> goes deep on you. Well, let, let, me, let me dive into this running back thing a little more and, and talk about uh, – I talk to running back coaches and – you know, sometimes you're thinking, oh, we just want the guy with the fastest guy or the great speed. I, I talked to a really good running back coach, and he told me something that stuck with me. He goes, the best running backs I've ever coached have a plan when they get to the hole or when they see a defender, whether it's power, a move, 
whatever it is, they have a plan. And sometimes big backs like pants, uh, like uh, Baxter, big backs like Baxter, or even a Le'Veon Bell, who was a linebacker we thought coming out of high school. When those guys get the ball in their hands, they use their size to set you up and they understand their body and momentum and power and the cutting ability. And they have a plan to set people up and shake them down and get out of it. And that's a trait that I don't think people talk about very often. There's some guys just catch the ball, run like their hair's on fire, and that works out. Uh, bursting the space. I, I say some running backs run in fear where they're just looking for grass where no one else is at, and there's, you know, hair's on fire to get to those spots, and that works. But some of these bigger backs, if they truly have the feet and they can see how to set people up and have a plan, like I was told, they're just as dangerous as anybody in the open field. Ezekiel Elliott's a great example. That guy has a plan. He has the feet to execute the plan when he sees somebody, and, and he's been doing it for a long time. Listen, Zeke might be the best college running back. I don't know. I don't want to get too hyperbolic here, but people remember what that was like. The run he had down the stretch was, put it this way, he was the best player on the field. And um, that's very hard to do in a college football playoff, and it's proven out. And also, also, Dan, uh, on his Zeke, the thing that I thought was was the difference maker for him is that he was truly, not just hyperbole, the complete back. Yep. Tremendous blocker. Just a great blocker in addition to being a great runner. And then he could catch the ball too. He could do it all. Yeah. Well, it's proven out. I mean, if you go look, by the way, who has the most rushing yards since Zeke entered the league? The answer is Zeke. Um, <laughs> he, he was so good that now people get on him. But like you said, the reason they can't get him out of the backfield in Dallas is he doesn't give up any sacks. He keeps the quarterback healthy, man. Yep. That's a big deal. That Don't sleep on that in the NFL. You cannot play running back in the NFL if you're going to let the guy making $40 million get hit on a consistent basis. They're not into that. All right, uh, Bill, I've had this up there from Randy Bills. Are we still recruiting McLean? I assume he means Cormani, the, the nation's number one rated corner. He's still on the radar, but realistically, I don't. I, I just don't see him ending up at Ohio State. I never did, and I still don't. Um, you know, Alabama, watch out for Alabama there. Florida is there too. Um, I know that Brandon Innes, Ohio State's uh, great wide receiver commitment, would love to see Cormani join them. You know, those guys are part of that South Florida Express team. I just I just don't think it's going to happen. Brandon Ennis and Mark Fletcher, high school teammates, by the way. Um, Spider Sillery, on the heels of the Tackett Curtis chatter, will there be two linebackers this year or just Arvell? Personally, I think uh, the chances are good that it'll be just Arvell. And again, I, I hate to keep back getting back to numbers, but if you look at the numbers, Ohio State is okay there. Uh, they've got 10 scholarship linebackers on the roster right now, not counting our buddy Sonny Styles, who I think Mark and I agree is a great candidate to be a linebacker at Ohio State. Um, uh, so if you put him in there in the mix, whether he plays safety this year and eventually transition line or whatever, if you put him into the mix, they would have 11 linebacker scholarship linebackers on the roster. The usual number is 10 to 12. Jim Knowles' defense doesn't emphasize linebackers as much. So if they have 11 linebackers on the roster now, only one of them is, is a sure thing gone after this season. So that would take them to 10. They add Orville, that would be 11. So they can get away with 11 easily linebackers. Um, you know, 
I no doubt they're going to continue to pursue linebackers. They would like to get Darian Gillette. They like him a lot out of Texas. Uh, he tells me he wants to make a visit a visit back to Ohio State for a game. So we'll see. I, I tend to think he will, although Texas is pressing to get him to commit first. But that's going to be a really diff- difficult pull uh, to get him out of Texas, away from the Longhorns and away from Texas A&M. We would be remiss if we did not mention Mateo Uyungle. You have a complete uh, acceptance of your inability to spell the name. I've had to have it actually tattooed on my right wrist to make sure it's correct. This is a huge recruit. They need the uh, big-time defensive end in this class, um, like every class. And, you know, this is a guy who's, you know, rocketing up the recruiting rankings. Mark, maybe what you think of Mateo, is he worth the hype? And then, Bill, where do they stand? Yeah, he's, he's worth the hype. And, again, I just used the analogy of a tree stump as a defensive lineman. I could use it again for him, the strength and the power and the size and what he can do on the edge of the defense, whether he's a five technique or he bumps down to a three technique as he gets bigger. He's a run stopper first, but he has the, the pass rush skills and the pass rush ability to push the pocket uh, cave things in from the inside, and he'll get you off the edge. I mean, a lot of high school linemen can't handle that size and that speed off the edge, but I, I think he's just such a big, powerful player. I think in college he might be moving down because nobody gets smaller in uh, Mariotti's weight room. No one comes out weaker, so you have to project these guys 10 to 20% bigger, stronger than you see them in high school and, and kind of do the projection. What will he look like then? Uh, and, yeah, big-time uh, run-stopper. And I used this analogy last week, and I hate to say it again, but uh, running backs come off the street in the NFL all the time. They go for 100 yards. Big men like this don't grow on trees. And if I had scholarships and I was going to go over in a position, it'd be at left tackle and it'd be a defensive line. Take as many big guys as you can. Bill? If I was lining up my guys um, that I would most – want to crystal ball right now down to the least Mateo would be one of my least wanting to crystal ball him right now because it's really going to be interesting to see what he does um he's been made official visit to Ohio State and then Oregon USC he's not going to uh decide in the next month he's going to take more visits come the fall uh Alabama's on his list um you know, it remains to be seen. I think Ohio State is right there with any of the schools right now, but I think uh, there's a reason nobody at all has crystal balled Mateo to a school yet, and, you know, that's that that's for good reason. I, I can see him ending up at Ohio State. I think they're right there, but we'll see. USC and Alabama and Oregon are all huge threats to land him as well. All right, last question, Bill. I'll let you take it. One big need in 23 is quarterback. Are we going to get Austin Novosad? Spelling question mark again. We keep recruiting these guys with unique names. Where are the Smiths? Where are the Williams for uh, Dan to make it easier? But this guy is, I think, uh, is Baylor, Texas A&M. He's a legacy. His offers came in late. Ohio State's got a stacked quarterback room in front and behind. Your thoughts, Bill, as we close the show. At one point, Austin Novus said I was relatively convinced he was pretty close to committing to Ohio State. 
um, and flipping from Baylor. I don't think that was a sure thing, but I felt like that's where it was headed. Then Texas A&M comes in with the offer, and his family is a Texas A&M family. Uh, then, uh, more recently, just a couple weeks ago, I believe it was, Notre Dame comes in with an offer, and he's going to maybe take a look at the Irish. We'll see. Um, he's going to take his time. He is not going to rush into things. There's a reason he hasn't decided yet, because he's not sure where he wants to go. Um, you know, I, I've had... I've had a good source tell me they think in the end it'll be Texas A&M. I've had a good, another good source from Texas tell me in the end they don't think it's going to be Texas A&M, that it's going to be either Baylor or Ohio State. So, I, you know, I think it's a situation, again, where Ohio State is going to, to, to be in there, like with Caleb Downs, at one or two. They just need to be number one rather than number two for Austin Novosad. And, uh, uh Texas A&M complicated things with them offering other guys and not going after Novosad. Had they gone after him right away, I think he would be ending up there. Now we'll just have to wait and see. The final thing I'll say about that: people aren't aren't giving uh, enough credence to how much how important a quarterback is for Ohio State to get. If C.J. Stroud leaves after this season and if he stays healthy, I don't think there's a whole lot of doubt he's going to go to the NFL. If he goes to the NFL. They've only got two scholarship quarterbacks on the roster as things stand right now for next season. That's pretty dangerous to go into a season with two scholarship quarterbacks on the roster. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself as we end the show here, but I have a feeling in the next 12 months, Ohio State is going to utilize the transfer portal more than usual after this season, just the way the roster is filling out or lack thereof. We appreciate these dudes. Go ahead. At the risk of extending the show another minute or so, let me throw out a dark horse. Uh, there's a quarterback in Ohio. There's only three quarterbacks in Ohio that have a Division One offer right now. The best of the bunch is Brock Lowry. And when I watched him uh, camp last year, he was about 195 pounds. And it's no secret I'm from Canfield. He's from Canfield. And I've watched him walk uh, work out recently for Indiana and a few other schools. And just the other day he worked out. And he was about 215 pounds. And, it, and Drew Aller kind of popped up in my head and said, you know what? Here's an in-state kid that's committed to Indiana who has significantly progressed over the summer. And he didn't camp at Ohio State. He didn't do all that stuff. He was happy with Indiana at the beginning of the process. But here's a kid in Ohio that if you're looking for a gap quarterback to fill in where no one else is really jumping at that spot, just like Drew Aller last year, we were all talking week four, week five. Uh Uh-oh, the Buckeyes offered Drew Aller. Where did that come from? This is maybe a one in a thousand shot, a one in a hundred, but there's a name in Ohio if you wanted a dark horse, Brock Lowry from Canfield, 6'3", 210-pound quarterback that's ripping it. If you see the Ohio State staff get in on Brock Lowry early or anytime now, you'll know that the Ohio State staff listens and watches all of the Bucks, Bucknuts Morning 5, 30, almost 38 minutes for them to get a quarterback name. Let's see how strong their uh, stick to is with the show. We appreciate these guys stopping by. I honestly believe they're the best in the business and hope we answered as many questions as possible. We could sit here and talk recruiting all day, but uh, we got work to do. We'll be back tomorrow with another great show. Dave Bitter will be here with bells on. Have a good one, Bucknutters.
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 